0: In today's episode, we're speaking to Mina Kumari Adnani. Mina is an international high-performance and business coach for women, motivational speaker, and a best-selling author. Mina qualified as a solicitor in England and Wales and as an attorney in, with the New York Bar. She, for the last 25 years, she has held senior-level positions in high-profile companies. During her post as vice president at First Media, major Indonesian internet and paid TV service, provider Mina brought great revenues by negotiating deals with world famous content providers such as HBO, Discovery and Fox and was named top business negotiator by local media. Today we're speaking to Mina on finding out how she changed her life by changing her mindset. Let's find out. I'm your host, Gur Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gur Khan, your Money Mindset Expert. And today I'm excited. and really, really, really chuffed that we're speaking to Meena Nani. Welcome, Meena.
1: Thank you. It's so amazing to be here.
0: Thank you so much for coming, Meena. Meena, everyone's heard your intro. They know how fabulous you are, but please, in your own words, share with everybody what it is that you do.
1: Oh, there's so much. Okay, what do I do? As a coach, I am a self-empowerment and business coach. I help women break the mindset of scarcity and disbelief that they can actually create the life that they desire. And I'm also a business coach where I teach women how to become online digital CEOs. In a nutshell, that's what I do. Fabulous, fabulous. Okay, so Veena... um, I know that you're currently t-
0: um, calling us from Indonesia. And then before off camera, you were telling me how you've lived in London as well. So tell yeah. us, how did it all start for you? Didn't you just wake up one day and become a business coach? So tell us, sure. you know, talk
1: us through your journey. How, what, how, you know, how did he get to where you are today? Sure. So I am of Indian descent, born and raised in Indonesia. And so my parents are first-time immigrants. And having lived here, uh, growing up, I used to see my aunt and my mom and I looked at the life that they lived. And as a child, the life that they lived as women was something that didn't resonate with me. Mm. Uh, Maybe it is the culture that I grew grew up in, or it was the time I was brought up. The women in my culture were not allowed to have their own independence, freedom, the ability to think for themselves, and worse, the ability to be financially independent. What I was witnessing all the time was that the women were uh, raised by, you know, their parents. And then when they come of age, which is sometimes 17, sometimes 20, they're married off and, you know, yep, they live so with husband, to, their husbands yeah. Yeah, where, where they are financially dependent as well. And unfortunately, when that happens, it leaves a lot of room for the women to be, um, dare I say, abused, not just physically not just physically, but emotionally as well, because yeah. you end up trading your freedom for money. And to me, that's like the, the worst thing I have ever witnessed. So as a child, I really witnessed my aunt, my mom, and I just saw that the happiness and sadness was very much dependent on their husbands. Yeah. And so I made a, made a decision since I was a child, I, I wasn't going to be that woman, I wasn't going to live a life where I could not make my own decisions. Hmm. So since I was a child, I had an exit plan. And I'm not sure how I think, yeah, I think I remember I watched a Bollywood movie with my aunt and my mom. And Which in movie? The, um, I can't even remember, to be honest, I was 12. In the movie, I saw a woman who was a lawyer in court. And she—and that was the first time I saw a woman speak up. I, that was the first time I saw a woman so confident. And I didn't understand anything about the legal uh, industry. And I, I just said to myself, I am going to be her because she's so confident I'm going to be her. So since I was a child, I made that decision that I was going to be a lawyer, even though I didn't know how because nobody in my family was educated, not even the men. let alone me i'm the fourth of eight siblings oh wow okay but i had this burning desire since i was a child that I was going to be independent and so every year since the age of 12 to 16 i would sweet talk my dad and say can i go overseas to study can i go overseas to study and every year he would give me a new condition he'd be like okay come uh be the first 10 students in the top 10 students in your class and I'd be like okay I'd be the first 10 and then the following year he would be be the top five students so he did this to me every single year until I got to 16 and suddenly it hit me I don't think he's gonna send me overseas I think he's just like you know trying to you up yeah yeah and then by the time I got to 16 somehow I found an ad in the newspaper of an agency that helped students get admission in the uk okay. so so i went to the agency and you know in those days we didn't have mobile phone we didn't have anything i just went to the agency asked them to apply for my uh for my o-levels and i got in and when i got in but where did you get I the money where did you get that. the money to pay the agency and uh... i did i didn't so you don't pay until you get uh, until you get admitted so once, once I was accepted, that's when I spoke to my dad. That's when I said to my dad, look, you know, I've done all the work and now please just pay for it and let me go. So so I got myself to that point And finally, because my sister agreed to go overseas as well for an education, so he agreed to send both of us. That's how I ended up um, being in the UK. I qualified as a solicitor in the UK, qualified as an attorney in New York, worked for some of the uh, largest multinational companies in the world. But how I got to doing what I do now is in 2016, when I hit the highest level of success for me, at least at that point, I was one of uh, one of three women at the board level of a public listed company and one of 12 people at the board. Mm. But I went through a very, very uh, um, traumatic experience and that traumatic experience was my financial loss. I had trusted someone else with my finances and one day he just called me to tell me that everything I had was gone. Mm. And so that that experience is what changed me and shaped me because once I lost my finances, I had to really sit down with myself and ask myself what got me to this place. It Mm. wasn't just about the success i was creating i really do believe that whenever we go through experiences in our lives there is always something about us that we are not taking responsibility of creating and so that was the moment when i actually sat down with myself and said which part of me needs to no longer be part of my future, because it's clearly not serving me. Mm. And that's, that's the moment when I started becoming much more, I would say, awakened spiritually, um, at a personal level as well. And since then, I decided I no longer wanted to be bound by what had happened. And, you know, unfortunately, when we go through difficulties in life, we tend to think that our life is over, because we are viewing our future based on the lens of the past. And, somehow something hit me and I said to myself that I will probably be telling this story for the rest of my life now do I want to tell this story from a place of disempowerment or do I want to tell the story from a place of empowerment Mm. and then the next question I asked myself is what would it be like if I shared this story from a place of empowerment what would I be saying And then I suddenly had this thought, wouldn't it be cool if I actually made all my money back? Wouldn't it be cool if I actually rebuilt myself? Mm -hmm. And that's when it no longer occurred to me whether it was possible. All I thought about is how am I gonna make it possible? And I think this is something a lot of people don't understand that, you know, we are not necessarily a victim of our circumstance. We can't help what has happened to us, but we can take charge and change How are we going to create the future from then on? Wow. Okay. So is uh, so is that when you let go of your legal career and became a coach in 2016? No. So in 2016, actually, um, backtrack a little bit. Even though I qualified as a solicitor and uh, UK in uh, sorry, even though qualified as a solicitor in the UK and attorney in New York, I worked as a lawyer for many years, but. After a few years, I pivoted and ended up doing business development sales and marketing because Mm -hmm. I was working for companies like Viacom where you are supposed to be doing more business rather than legal. Hmm. And so that was my entry into the business world. And I started realizing that every bit of advice I was giving to the relevant departments was very valuable and they were able to achieve their goals. And that's when I realized that I actually enjoy doing this more than the legal role. So Hmm. I pivoted and I had been doing business development sales and marketing for 20 years. Okay. it was, I decided to be a coach from 2018 because the part that I didn't tell you is I lost my finances in 16, but I rebuilt myself uh, to seven figures in two years. Oh, and wow. when I rebuilt myself, that was when, because I started coaching uh, by, by around end of 2016 or um, early 2017. And I got into the coaching world by accident, um, but I started coaching. And as I started coaching, after when I when it was 2018 when I hit my seven figures that's when I was like I really do believe it's time for me to let go of this career because if I can rebuild success twice I know I want to live a life of purpose I know I can help other women do the same and that's when I decided I was going to step away from my career
0: wow okay but that must be a big decision so so you were you were working and coaching in 2016 I'm a bit confused
1: Yes, I was, I was doing both. So, um, so this is what happened. Like I said, I started the coaching, uh, by accident. What happened was when I went through this trauma, um, and I couldn't get my, my head around it slowly as I started growing and changing as a person, somehow I felt very led to write, Mm -hmm. write not a journal, but write on social media, not as a way of venting, but more as a way to motivate myself. And so i started writing on social media and i didn't want to write on my on on my profile on facebook so i I created a small group like a a small group of friends who i thought would benefit from me writing something that i would motivate them you know Mm -hmm. so every day i would see what was it that i was struggling with and what i was overcoming and it was like a way for me to give pep talk to myself i would write and as i was starting to write my friends started adding people to the group. And as I started adding more and more and more people to the group, I ended up having a group of 4,500 women without realizing it. And what happened was out of the blue, I started getting messages from women telling me like they would take screenshots of my posts and telling me about the things that they were struggling with and if I could help them. And I was like, wow, you know, suddenly, you know, I, I hate to say this, but like there is this term misery loves company mm. and when i went was going through a difficult time i was like wow this is so interesting to realize i wasn't alone i wasn't alone in my struggle that there are other people out there struggling except i was able to Think differently. I was able to feel differently. I was able to teach myself how to let go of things that weren't uh, serving me. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people were still stuck. And that's how I started getting into the coaching. And then a friend of mine, who was a chief marketing officer in another company, was also in the group. And when she started reading about what I wrote, out of the blue, she sent me a message to say, You know i'm very inspired by what you wrote um and out of the blue asked me if i was interested in mentoring a couple of companies who were looking for mentors and because she knew me and she knew that i was already going on this path she asked if i was open to it and i said yes i was so i was starting to uh coach companies i was starting to coach individuals and that's when i started becoming aware of how much i enjoyed what i did Okay.
0: So, I mean, when I'm, as I'm listening to you and I'm, and I'm tuning into, um, you know, what happened, it seems like you made the decision of one making the money back, not being a victim and realizing, okay, it's money, I can make it back. And money can, money can come back to you, just actually come, come back to you more rapidly because you already touched the threshold. But also the fact that you made you took responsibility for your own um, financial well-being. Like I could I, you know, it's not it doesn't matter who lost it. It's my money that's gone. I'm gonna make it back and I'm gonna make it back very quickly. And so the universe opened up pathways for you for that to happen for you. And in that process, you learned a set of skills or you harnessed skills you already had to be able to support other women and other people help them on their journey and in the process as you became more aware of any as you you know honed that skill of yours the universe brought more and more people to you to be able to support
1: and help them that's what i'm seeing is that right absolutely absolutely Mm. i think when you start sharing your journey in so many ways i mean it's nowadays people talk so much about building a personal brand right and i kind of like built my personal brand by accident because I, didn't, I wasn't intentionally trying to build my personal brand. And then there was one more story goal that I haven't told you. I've got so many stories as part of this journey, actually. Um, one more story that really got me to get very clear about how I was playing too small and how I was not embracing the power and ability I had in myself. So one day when I had lost my finances, after about a couple of months, um, I decided I wanted to go away on a mini break because I used to go away to Europe on holiday every year, but because I lost my finances, I couldn't afford to go to Europe. I decided that I was going to just delay gratification after a few months, go to Bali. And for me, Bali is only an hour flight, so it's not expensive. I decided I was going to go to Bali. So I went to Bali with the idea that I was going to just realign myself, start feeling good about myself. But when I got to Bali, the next morning I get a call from my sister to speak. My sister lives in Australia, and then um, my mom lives in Jakarta. My sister calls me to ask me when was the last time I spoke to my mom. And I said, I spoke to mom yesterday. And she said, Mina, something is not right. Something is not right with her. Basically, my mom had shingles and the doctor had given medication that made my mom start slurring and forgetting things. And we actually thought it was dementia and we didn't know. So, of course, I just went through one trauma and then I had to face this. And I was in so much fear. I was like, God, what's happening? Because suddenly it's one thing after the other. So within 24 hours, I flew back to Jakarta. And then within 24 hours after that, I flew to Singapore because my mom had to do a test and everything in Singapore. When we got there, after like a week, as my mom started recovering her memory and everything, few days before I came back to Jakarta, I thought, I just need to sit in a bar alone, have a glass of wine and please the world, don't go mad on me. Please don't let anything happen, God. I just wanna sit alone. I don't want anything to go wrong. And I sat there at this quiet bar having a glass of wine. Meanwhile, my aunt calls me and I had a very nice chat with her walks in an Australian gentleman sitting next to me. As he sat next to me, he kept looking at me as if I was um, too loud, which I wasn't. And also I was in was in, in a bar, not in a library. So I was thinking, why is this guy looking at me as if like I should not be speaking? But turns out he was looking at me all the time because he wanted to get into a conversation. So after I hung up, we started talking. And he asked me what I was in Singapore for, what I was doing. And I said, oh, I'm here because of my mom. And he said, you look like a successful corporate executive. What? Are you, uh, it's, a, it's impressive that you would take time off to spend time with your mom. And I looked at him and I thought, and I said this to him. I said, which part of the world are you from? Because my part of the world, that's pretty common. You do that for your family. You take yeah. care of your parents. And that ended up becoming a whole conversation about life, success, and financial um, freedom. What does life mean? What does success mean? What does financial freedom mean? And he started to share with me, I'm getting goosebumps telling you this story. He started sharing with me about his idea of happiness. His idea of happiness was living life on his terms, making the money that he deserves and not being answerable to anybody. And I just kind of nodded my head and he asked me, What is your idea of, you know, happiness? And I said, you know, if we were supposed to just live for ourselves, we would all be demigods in about seven and a half billion islands. Mm-hmm. But we all live in one on one earth, different race, different religion. Why? Because we are supposed to co-elevate, support each other, not judge each other, but support yeah. each other. And I said, so to me, that my idea of happiness is being able to create the impact that I think all of us should be creating because that's the rent we pay for living on this earth.
0: I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundance. Mindset makeover.com. See inside the
1: workshop. And as we got into that conversation, after a while, the bartender heard the conversation and he said, I, I'm with her, mate. Sorry, I don't agree with you. Mm. And as the bar was closing, as I started walking out, he said, Can I walk you to the door? Mm. I said, Sure. He walked me to the door and then he said, I don't know if this is acceptable in your culture, but I'm going to do it anyway. And he patted me on the back and he said, well done. Thank you. You made me rethink about success. And that night, I just kept thinking about it. And I thought, oh, wow, I didn't even realize I have an Asian girl syndrome, which is like, oh, I'm Asian. I'm a girl who I don't have that much power. I should just not talk too much front of people. What will people think of me? I didn't realize I had all these thoughts clearly because I was a bit shocked and dumbfounded that I could actually impact you know, a white Australian in a bar mm. and then that the next morning was when I was like, oh, Mina, you're playing too small. You can't, you can't do this. And I was like, that's when I actually created that little Facebook group. That's when I started writing. Wow. Okay. And that, I mean, I, can, being, um, being from the, from the similar sort of
0: background, I completely understand that doesn't matter what success. And I think we from similar backgrounds too, cause I'm too a lawyer and I'm also, um, I also qualified uh, for as a new York attorney. So I became a new York attorney as well. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, I did the other way. I became a barrister, and then I be- um, I took the New York bar exams first. Then I did, did the oh. English bar, but I, because I was called to the bar first, I'm a barrister first, and then I became an attorney because I took the right. the, uh, the oath afterwards. And then then, then after because of my um, all my work, I did the QLTT and became a qualified solicitor too. So I'm unqualified in all three <laughs> three jurisdictions <laughs> now. But uh, I get it because even regardless of all my achievements, I too had that brown girl syndrome, and it's a yeah. really real syndrome. I'm like, you know, oh, who, who's going to listen to a little me, um, you know, brown girl me, because, and the funny thing is, I, I found, and I don't know whether you can relate to this, I think, you know, people, European people, people from the European descent are, are more open to listening to what I have to say than brown men. And the brown girl syndrome comes up more with um, brown people than it does with uh, non-brown people. And that includes black people too, by the way. So uh, black men and black women would find me more intriguing would would be more willing to listen to me than brown women and brown men. And I find that astonishing. My recent visit to Pakistan recently highlighted that um, and in my own family. You know hands down, I probably am the most successful for my entire family. had I been the man i you know another know this one particular family would have you know have treated me differently this particular one. I know for a fact, but even generally, they were less concerned, especially my aunts were they're less concerned with the fact that I run multiple companies and what I do. they're more concerned with the fact that you know of my aunts made a comment that i'm I'm very simple I am you know like I was wearing just the sandals exactly. and I wasn't I wasn't dolled up with you know lots of diamonds and whatever I don't show. I don't show wealth. And so she's very simple. And I don't wear, as you can see, I don't wear much. I've got no makeup on today at all. I don't wear much makeup. I did wear a little bit. The comment was, she's very simple. And all she, you know, and she just, you know, all she does is seems to be being, you know, she's running much in her mummy zone. And I looked at them, I thought, mummy zone? I run multiple companies that are all seven figures. And i was still running them when I was abroad. I was on my phone a little bit, but I kept giving time to my children, my son and my daughter. Yes, I'm fully involved. It's a brown." Mentality you yeah. can't come out of because I'm a but you mother. Don't fit into a box. You don't fit into a box. Oh, yeah, exactly. So if I yeah. wasn't looking after my kids and I was making sure that they're okay and whatever else, then I'd be like the absent mother, you know, who's too worried yeah. of the career because I was really fully involved. Um, she's just very simple mom. You know, she's really much yeah. into her mommy zone. And I find that hilarious. Like, what, what, okay. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not taking it as a as a, as a complaint. I'm not, I'm not taking it as a compliment. That's just their observation. I see, leave it at that. But I understand what you mean because you would have more to prove or feel more um, insecure with yourselves around
1: brown people than you do yeah. around anybody else. So, And you don't realize it until, you know, you come face to face with it.
0: No, I, and I didn't think I was. I because I, I when I come go out here, uh, I think I think it depends on the mindset too. I think that the mindset maybe back in India, Pakistan, they still see you as a brown woman, whereas over here in UK, yeah, you get people and they uh, some people some, admire you, they some see, see you, but you know th- this brown girl syndrome comes out more in a heavily um, cultural environment.
1: Yes. I would say it's more around people who themselves are so conditioned to live the life that they are expected to live based on society. And that's why when you stand out, they kind of try and pull you down so that you fit in. Hundred percent. But having said that, I'm sure you've experienced this as well, Gol, that there are a lot of Asian women who like working with me. And I think I'm sure you have that same experience because... These are women who are very invested in their growth, in their career, who are saying no to this kind of conditioning and the expectation that they should just be married off at a certain age and never have any freedom uh, and decision about their own life. So it's very interesting, I think, based on the time I grew up and now I see that there is a lot that has changed. But having said that, you're right in terms of the family environment and the extended family I think if I was a man, I would be a much bigger deal, I would mm-hmm. be a much bigger deal. And as a woman, they are, they are not as interested about what I do, because, you know, the achievements, the checklist achievements for women is not so much about success and career. It's more like, when are you getting married? When are you going to have kids? Yeah. Which school is your kids going to go to, you know, it's all of these things. and so we are changing that paradigm and that's why no, yeah slowly but like surely uh, yeah people like us have to deal with with that <laughs> oh 100 i mean i in especially
0: the the uh, i'm divorced twice and i i wear that as a badge and honor i see myself coming out of two divorces a, two abusive marriages and and everything i've overcome but that's like a hushish topic Well, no in pakistan mm-hmm. like, don't mention it like why not? Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not ashamed about it. I'm very proud of the fact that I came yeah. out of the end. is that you expected to be ashamed? Isn't but, that crazy? Yeah, yeah, And but hush, hush. Don't mention it. Don't mention it. Don't mention it. And, and I, I, I did. I didn't out of respect. I don't bother. You know, I don't. I don't go and say things in, in people's faces. But uh, you know, I, I'm not ashamed of the fact that I have one child from one, one first marriage and second child from second marriage. I they're they're they both from marriages. They're not they're not they're not our wedlock. <laughs> I didn't get these children out of wedlock, and those marriages were abusive. But yet that was um, and so your success and everything you have, it you, it completely is different way of looking at it when you are in that environment. And I'm glad you said conditioning because I, the the same thought comes to my mind. So even though I have a lot of family here in um not in London but in Manchester, they too are conditioned. Mm. And because they're conditioned from the old way of thinking of Pakistani thinking, they too see me as, you know, if I was a man and I was, had exactly the same thing, the achievements that I have, they'd think, oh my God, she's a, he's amazing, he's amazing. I'm a woman. So the yeah. fact that I've been divorced twice is a major thing. Like, oh, but she's divorced, you know, she's a single mom, she's this and that. And I find that astonishing. Like, what? You know, you're more concerned about the fact that I've got two divorces rather than the fact that I've run multiple, you know, seven food companies, mm.
1: you know? <laughs> But, you know, the also the interesting thing, though, on the flip side, I know a lot of women who are conditioned and live that life but are not happy. Oh, most of them are not happy. Most of them are not happy. I have a lot of compassion for them, you know. I have a lot of compassion for them because, you know, um, I remember once going to a bar and um, I was meeting my friends at the bar and then the restaurant was where all the – I walked in and then I saw – quite a few couples sitting and having dinner. And these are people I know, and I, I know the wives. But as I walked into the bar, I was going to the bar because a friend of mine was having a farewell. And the wives who were sitting on that table, I knew them, they left the table where their husbands were and they came and joined me at the bar. And the first thing one of them said to me is that, you're so lucky, you're so lucky. Uh, you know. And I just looked at her and I said, you know what? I know I am lucky. I I enjoy my life and I like my life. But at the same time, I also know it's not luck. Mm -hmm. I created the luck. You know, I I chose to study and uh, go overseas and struggle with all the differences in culture and become sick and all of that away from home, especially when you've lived such a sheltered life. Mm -hmm. I chose to live that life while all of you were being matched up and getting married. You know? Um, I was going after pursuing degrees and pursuing jobs when you were having kids. So it wasn't so much about being lucky; it was about being Joyce. very, very intentional about how I want to live. Mm.
0: I mean, i I'm, I'm yeah, I. This one point I do know when I look back at um, when I look at the the these so-called conditioned people who judge a lot. Um, they tend to be very miserable in their life too. They just, you know, they're compromised and they have to compromise and, and so forth. And funnily enough, I, you know, if all these people, the one person who surprised me the most is is one of my, my paternal uncle, my only one remaining now, my mamu. He's the one who turned out to be the most progressive and the most uh, forthcoming. And he not once did he say to me anything about being ashamed or anything. Um, but then he's the one who's in education, is progressive. He, all, all five of his daughters have have got really, really high degrees, got scholarships, moved out of the country. There are three in Germany, one's here, doctoring in Wales, and another one one's going to Canada. So all five kids have now gone on to do really, really well. And I see why, because he's got such a progressive mind. And he said to me, you know what? i know you're doing really well i'm really proud of you but i i, I would say don't think about it because it's an asian culture thing um instead of telling me to hush hush about marriages thinks actually turned t- to me look for someone who's nice and get married and he and he said as September i don't want to i don't want to marry pakistani and he said better i didn't say to marry pakistani i just said to you get married but my obviously he goes, just as long as he's muslim pick someone and it doesn't matter black color grey, green, whatever colour is, you know, as long as they're Muslim and they make you happy, get married. And this is from a man who's lived all his life in Pakistan, in, you know, in, in sheltered environments and yet has such a progressive mind and he wasn't concerned about, you know, marriages or anything or one anything. He, it, and this marriage wasn't so that I'm married it was just so that I'm I remain happy he was coming from a place of seeing yes. me happy yes. and making yes. sure that I I live my life beyond my children then yes. and from that point of view, and I thought wow so there are people who are but then they are the ones who are progressive they're learning they're developing and, and yes. then they're, they're moving ahead um, but but you know we, we uh, but as brown women coming back to the point as brown women those are few few and far between within families most of our families are um <laughs> are people who judge us and so when we work hard, we work 10 times harder compared to our brown, um, uh, the brown men, because we have to prove we are yeah. good. And also we're not, um, sluts or corrupt or yeah. whatever else, because you just have to worry about our reputation. One of the yeah. first things that the, 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 the brown girl can be attacked on is her reputation. Oh, she's a bad character.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I think like, um, when we focus too, for me at least for my own peace of mind when i i feel like when i focus too much on that it kind of depletes my energy yeah 100%. so I, I just don't even focus on it and over time what i really love is that over time when you start focusing and going inward and focusing on yourself and bettering yourself and changing your life i find that the people around me change you know even my family oh, yeah you know my my family uh even though they are very uh, conservative or at least they were. Uh, I'm very fortunate because my dad over time started opening up and realizing that at first, and I'm 100% you can relate to this at first, you know, his fear was, if he sent me overseas, I would be difficult to control, you know, 100% control. But over time, as I, I went to the UK when I was 16. And you know, by the time I came back, I was like 25. Um, over time, even though I was educated, I was a little more westernized, I came back to Indonesia, I worked at a law firm, I was very independent already. What he was scared of never happened. And that's something I'm very grateful for. Um, I just lost my dad in 2020, December. And what I really am so grateful for is that he, I, w- I made him proud. That's what I'm grateful for. You know, Even though he was scared that I would just go off and do the wrong things, but few times during his life, he said things to me that made me feel like, you know what, I'm so grateful that he doesn't regret the decision about making me go overseas and coming back with a degree, because ultimately when you still take the responsibility of respecting your adults, respecting your parents, you know, are usual values that are usually taught, not just in Asian culture, but generally mm-hmm. when you still, uh, when you still live a life where you have these values and you still embody those values, I think ultimately people stop focusing on the differences and they start embracing uh the similarities because they realize that after all you're not a bad person even if you didn't live the life that they think you should have lived you're not a bad person you know and that's how i feel i win people over not by arguing with them and telling them calling them out but more like focusing on myself seeing what is it about me that i can change is it my energy that makes them feel uncomfortable it's not about me dimming my light but it's more about you know maybe at times when I don't need to speak up to prove that I'm right, sometimes silence can be even more powerful. Yeah, choosing your battles, yeah. Yeah, and then when you do that, people start realizing that you're not here, you know, coming from a place of ego, you're not here to prove anything. And that to me is the most beautiful transition as to how I am able to shift from uh, being on the outside to someone feeling like I'm on the inside. Absolutely. All right on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Um, so even, like I said, even you know,
0: coming from the same similar culture, I understand how what you've achieved in the face of being a brown girl, and people um who are not brown, I think, I wouldn't probably understand to the extent the culture that we grow up in is. And I think we was probably similar yeah. ages, so we probably grew up in the similar, you know, the the '80s child. Um, We, you know, we we grew up with, um, you know, these baby boomers who had uh, their, you know, their freedom, but they made sure that they were over controlling in us and made sure that we didn't lose that for culture, especially if they were out of the country, so being Indonesia or UK, similar things, they were really focused on their cultures. Yet um, so it's about holding on to your 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 culture values and um, and making a space for yourself being a brand girl. so congratulations i'm so proud of you. Um, okay. Tell us um, Amina how can we connect with you how can you find you on the internet?
1: So my website is strongandshine.com and uh, all my contact details are there everything about me is there so you know uh, even if people want to contact me there is a way you can contact me through my website so yeah feel free to go and visit my website. Fabulous. So, if you want to, uh, if you're listening to us on the
0: podcast, then the link to Mina's website will be in the show notes. And if you're watching on the YouTube, then down below in the description section, we'll have her links to her website too. Go check her out. She's one kick ass lady and do connect with her. Thank you so much, Mina, for being such an amazing guest today on, on Friday Feature. Thank you. We. It was, it was such a fabulous discussion. And we can carry on talking forever, actually. <laughs> um, and being two lawyers, of course. Uh, but I would love to have you back on Money Talkie so we can actually learn something from you for, uh, strategically so that we can build a better business. But today, thank you so much for
1: being such an amazing guest. Thank you so much. It was so lovely to talk to you. And we have to make sure we connect off camera as well. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to me Amina, today.
0: I will be back with another fabulous person, just like Mina, talking to us, telling us how they change their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time we meet, this is Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website